Um, what was I going to say? Probably doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. Not a Metallica guy, though. Oh, I was just about to say, like, oh, you should have had your Twitter name be something Metallica. That would have been way better. <laughs> and then you fucking ruined it. Start the start the music. Master of Puppets is the greatest metal album ever. What the fuck is wrong with you? Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News. I just said reporter. I don't even know what my own name is or what my title is. Whatever. I'm here with Greg Foster, as always. (laughs) Uh, We're firing on all cylinders. I literally spent the intro shoveling an omelet into my face. Uh... Hold on. I need to copy and paste the outline into the outline real quick. Oh, and then I'll open it. We're going to. This is how you podcast. This is how the sausage is made, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not cutting this. No, you shouldn't. Who gives it? (laughs) This is this is the best intro we've ever had. (laughs) Fail to plan, plan to fail. Um. All right. I got the. Uh. Before we get into anything, really. Kyrie Irving. Oh, Irving, uh, Greg. <laughs> that one popped up to say hello. <laughs> oh my god, this is my favorite podcast that we've ever recorded. Hell yes, we're doing great. Uh, I, I have bangs. Kyrie Irving just requested a trade. <laughs> You know, like, do you guys remember, like, 2016 and 2020, like, Trump's favorite thing to talk about on his, uh, like, on his campaign speeches was, like, the snake, uh, or was it, like, the scorpion or the snake or whatever, that speech, you know, where it's, like, the snake bites the person. Oh, yeah, it bites you because it's a snake. Yeah, you know who I was before before you did, like, Brooklyn... What are you doing? <laughs> oh God! I I've cooked up this scenario in my head though that I'm you know I like to think up of like I you know one of the tropes on uh, BYM is I like to think of guys I like to make up guys in my head that I think are really funny. I like guys and being like, guys. <laughs> guys being dudes that is <laughs> that occupies a huge space in my brain and I kind of thought of this like very funny trade scenario where like yesterday. Uh, was it Kyrie was posting videos as he does on Instagram and he posted one of Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson known dingus <laughs> known uh, benzo addict and raw meat appreciator known Vivint Arena sellouter known uh, uh, was it his daughter dated Andrew Tate that's another cool fun thing Oh, God. Anyway, I, um, yeah, so I thought about this because, like, you know, that he requests a trade and he ends up in Toronto. Like, he mm-hmm. specifically demands going to Toronto when we all know that they are going to be sellers at the deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so that he could hang out with Jordan Peterson and they could be besties. You know, mm-hmm. and they have this, like, very public friendship, you know, and they, you know. 
I don't know, go to union busting rallies together and like hang out and hold hands and like listen to Joe Rogan. And then they have like a, on uh, the wrong side of the union busting um, yeah. protest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. They go to the scab protests and, you know, <laughs> you know, and I thought about it and like, they end up having this huge falling out. Uh, Cause we know that Jordan Peterson is a huge turf. And when he finds out how many buckets that Kyrie Irving scores in transition, oh, he's going to hate it. <laughs> He's going to hate it. He's going to be like, oh, I didn't. Um, excuse me, Kyrie. <laughs> well, Jordan Peterson as Kermit? I, I need to talk to you about something that I find very disturbing. And uh, I think we need to go. Uh, we need to slow down the pace of the Toronto Raptors offense because, uh, well, you know how I feel about transition. And, uh <laughs> It doesn't. It just doesn't work, and I would appreciate uh, more three pointers and more uh, more set shots. My voice is going. I can't do that anymore. I I'm offended on behalf of Kermit. Right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I think Jordan Peterson would probably be very against the uh, Rainbow Connection. Oh man, God, God! All right, just. Uh, th- the worst people all around. I'm just. <laughs> I was having a good time. You were burping into the microphone, and now I'm mad. <laughs> He's just such a d- man. Like, are any are, are are anybody here? Are we are we surprised at this? No, literally. Oh. Okay, Shams and Woj tweet that Kyrie Irving has <sighs> has requested a trade, and literally anyone that hears that news is like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. No one is like, whoa, like no one is, (laughs) no one is shocked. So great. Excellent. Excellent stuff from Kyrie. I think it would be, it would be very funny if he ended up in in LA, you know, and there's like a a re reuniting of Westbrook and Durant and then Kyrie and LeBron. I'm kind of hoping that that would just be like just for pure comedy. The thing is, is like there are probably a lot of NBA owners, a lot of NBA players that I could really think like, oh, I I would like for them to have to deal with a bad situation, you know? Yeah. And I just like don't wish Kyrie on anyone. Yeah, he's uh, he's a real weirdo. That guy. The biggest. uh, He's a real troublemaker. I'm just so annoyed at how good he is. It annoys me. It it feels like because he's just such an idiot and everything that he brings to the table is so dumb. He doesn't deserve to be this good. Yeah. I think the low point of the season for me so far was Kyrie dropping 48 on the jazz. Yeah. That was not good. Because again, yeah. For all the reasons you mentioned, it's just, it's annoying that he's as big of a doofus as he is while also being like one of the most talented players in the he's league. He's so good. He's so good. Like how ambidextrous he is around the rim, his handle, his shooting, like the only player more fun to watch go video game than Kyrie Irving is Steph. And it's yeah. a very close race. And it, I think it's so annoying because, like, if I'm a GM or, like, an ownership group or, like, just a collective front office looking at the possibility of, like, trading for Kyrie, like, it in the back of your – no, in the front of your mind, you're like, 
Kyrie could change the game for us. Sure. He could win you a title on the he right could, team. Yeah. But you have to legitimately weigh, like, all right, he could win us a title, but he could also send us into a tailspin where we have to, like, make racism apologies, or maybe he leaves for half the year. Yeah. Like, and also, he's got a track record now. If you're a GM, you know you're on borrowed time. Right. This isn't going to work. Like, there's there's enough evidence to prove the, like... Kyrie Irving does not have staying power. And like yeah. he 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 seems like the type of guy who's just eventually like he's just gonna fade into obscurity one day. He's just gonna be like, I don't want to play basketball anymore, and then we never hear from him again. Which I, honestly I mean, might be better. I thought that was already gonna happen and yeah. it didn't. So I don't I don't know anymore. Anyways, enough about Kyrie. I love that he's a Laker is trending on Twitter right now. <laughs> What a weird, what a weird day already. So fun. Uh, on to things that are uh, less weird or stupid. Lowry Markkinen is an all-star, ladies and gentlemen. Big ass shotgun. <laughs> Look like Lowry Markkinen. Our sweet boy. What a sweet boy. It was so, he's such a sweet, sweet boy. And I... I have to continue to remind myself, the guy is 25 years old. He's a baby! He's a tiny, tiny little seven-foot baby. And becoming an all-star uh, at this point in his career just feels really nice. Uh, talking As he's with, entering his prime? Right, like talking oh. with Mike, Mike Conley and as someone who had to wait till later in his career to get an all-star bid... But being right on the cusp, though, like not getting it kind of in your rookie contract and being able to like work towards it, it kind of dispels all of the ideas that uh, that players can't get better. And obviously, like we yeah. know that we know that guys continue to get better, especially from 25 to 30 uh -huh. uh, and that the best players do continue to expand their game during that part. Yeah. Uh, this is just, it's so such a great sign for Lowry and for the rest of what his career could hold. Like right now, he's playing the best basketball of his life. And uh, he is absolutely the first one to tell you, like, this is really good. But like, I know that there's a lot of areas that I can improve. I know that there's more that I can do. Like he's constantly every day thinking like more, more, more. Uh, and it's just very exciting to see that for the jazz fans and everyone else that he's having this moment um especially after coming to a team like a uh, fresh i know that the fresh start and that the new team is part of the reason that he's sure. having such success but to switch teams and be in a new system and be in new surroundings and everything and still have that kind of growth and trajectory uh, all around great stuff he's putting up 25 and 9 on some of the best shooting in the league. Yeah, and he's nearly 50, 40, 90. Uh, he's got the best three-point percentage of any player in the league who's shot over more more than 100 threes this year. It's like 44% yeah. on threes. Do you know what I saw? I saw a stat the other day from Stat News on Twitter that I kind of blew my mind. And that is Lowry Markkinen has scored more points this season than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. And Walker Kessler has blocked more shots than Rudy Gobert. Yeah. It is... Truly unbelievable the return 
the Jazz have gotten for those two trades. And like we talked about it when the trade went down, like, mm, Larry Markinen, very intriguing piece. Right. But like the 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 step he has made is pretty spectacular. I think it's a two-way race right now for most improved player. It's either going to be shy or it's going to be Lowry. And I'm honestly, I'm fine with either one of them, but just like, I think we also need to talk about the job that Will Hardy has done as a coach, unleashing Lowry Markinen, kind of unlocking Lowry Markinen. Like, obviously he saw him play in, in Eurobasket and saw the way that he dominated and saw that he was a much more dynamic player than what he had shown or what he had been able to do in both Cleveland and Chicago. But it kind of seems like Will Hardy, for lack of a better term, has weaponized Lowry. Yeah. And I, I mean, to your point, exactly. He watched Lowry in Finland over the summer and he saw what a lot of people saw when they watched some of that Finnish national team stuff where Lowry was, I mean, the offense was running through him. Right. Like he was the guy. It wasn't like he was just like doing spot up shooting stuff. He was like switching one through five. He was a point forward. He, he was exactly. He was point forward. And, and so Lowry gets here and like the first day that he gets here, Will Hardy sat him down and he was like, Hey, I saw what you did in Finland. I would like for you to be that guy here. I love it. And so let's build off of that. And it was, it was an, it was a, you know, sometimes when coaches bring in new guys, you know, it's like, Hey, I'd like to build off of this, or I'd like to, you know, use some of this in our system, or this is the role that you're going to have. Um, and sometimes that's not even like a, a, a laid out specific discussion, right? Sometimes it's just the mechanisms of like how someone folds into a team, but this was a, this was like a specific conversation with Lowry and Will where Will Hardy said, I would like for you to be this player for us. Yeah. And I want to build on everything that you've done with the Finnish national team, the different stuff that we saw you doing in Cleveland. I want it all to happen here and then plus some. Yeah. And like Lowry's really shown he kind of has some of that Kevin Durant dynamism. For the record, I'm not comparing Lowry Marketing to Kevin Durant. Just right. Hammer, shut up. Don't at me. <laughs> But yeah. he's that he's got that same matchup nightmare build where you can't put a small guy on him because he's too good of a shooter and he's too tall and he has too too high of a release, which we love on this show. Oh, I love a high release. That you can't you can't affect his shot and he can he can get a bucket whenever. But you put a big guy on him and he's he's too, he's too quick. crafty. Yeah, he's too crafty, he's too quick, he's too good with the ball. Like you can't put a you can't put a, a Vucevic on him. You know, and so like you can't put big plotting guys on him. Like Jokic can't guard him as good as he is. And like, so what do you do with someone like Lowry? And it's why he's averaging 25 points a game. Yeah. And and uh, Will Hardy has unlocked that. He's always had that in his game. We've seen that, like, and we saw flashes of it. But to really like completely give him the green light and to give him the confidence to go all out, like, ooh. And I, and I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about the fact that 
there's probably a lot of players in this league actually that if you were to kind of just give them the reins and be yeah. like you know what like unlock every part of your game rather than being in a role on a team there's a lot of guys in this league that could probably become the best player on a team sure there's a lot of t- there are 56 guys in the league right now averaging averaging at least 20 points per game right and it's so crazy the talent that's in this league there, there's a lot to be said about the fact that, like, had Lowry continued to stay in Cleveland or if he'd still been on a team where he was, uh, you know, before the start of a season considered to be the third option on a team, that he probably would have had, like, a similar kind of career trajectory that he was having while he's in Cleveland. And so there's a lot to be said about in order to become this player, he had to go to a team that was rebuilding so that he yeah. could step up to be the guy. Yep. Because if he wasn't on a rebuilding team, when would anyone have recognized Lowry Markinen as the guy? Right. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those perfect situations. And like, that Donovan Mitchell trade is going to go down as an all-time great trade for both for both teams. You know, Donovan's killing it in Cleveland. Yeah. You know, he's kicking Dylan Brooks's ass, which we love to see. Love you know, it. and he's playing, you know, he's an all-star starter for a reason, and he's a dark horse MVP candidate because he's killing it. And then you see what, you know, the uh, the Jazz got in return with the draft picks and all-star Lowry Markinen and Colin Sexton, who's looking more and more comfortable as the season goes on. And then Ochai Agbaji, Ochai. who's looking like a guy who has, who's going to have a 10 to 12-year career. Yeah. You know, I saw, I heard... I think it was on the on the the Tim McMahon uh, Brian Windhorse podcast, which we're going to get into later. But uh, Tim McMahon made the comparison. He says that uh, Ochai reminds him a lot of Norm Powell. Okay, a yeah, three a three and D and more guy. And if that's what you get out of Ochai Ogbaji, great, awesome. Yeah. Norm Powell's a very good player. So you got an all-star, you got Colin Sexton, and you end up with Norm Powell? Are you kidding me? I know. That, I mean, th- this might be like a, a little bit of a preemptive take, but I think that Ochai could be better than Norm Powell, actually. He could. But again, if that's if that's who Ochai ends up as, zero complaints from me. Yeah. I, I think that Ochai is more athletic and kind of has a stronger build. He's so jacked. I know we talked about it last time, but he's, oh, I just, I think, I think he has the potential of, of being exactly that player, a three and D and more, but I think maybe just more explosive also, but also, you know, like he has the ability to get his own shot, create a little bit, can work off the dribble. Like he's not just a guy you park in the corner. And then, you know, like he's not Wes Matthews is what I'm saying, He kind of which reminds- is a nice, nice guy. Great, great player. But like, no, not the type of guy you just park in the corner and say fire when you're open. He reminds me of, again, I'm not comparing him, uh, but he reminds me a little bit of Clay Thompson, but like without the prolific three point shooting. Right. Like he reminds me he's of more athletic than Clay, though. Right, he's more athletic. I think Clay Clay Thompson dump, dunks like he's been a part of the RNC for <laughs> thirty years. I think that it's more about like the kind of freedom that he moves with, whether he's on or off the ball. 
Uh I think that's what it kind of reminds me of is just like his comfortability kind of at any position at, or at any spot around the court. Yeah. Um, Cause especially early on, like watching clay and I think defensively also like the instincts are there and like, he just felt really comfortable whether he was like setting a flare screen or doing a back cut or popping out to the three point line. Like there's just a lot of comfortability on the court. Uh I feel that a lot with Ochai. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have, I, I can't say enough good things about him and like his ascension over the past uh, month. Yeah. It's been about a month is, has been pretty like pretty jaw dropping how he just like all of a sudden became like came into a game, lit it up. And now he's a, a, a legitimate part of the rotation and who love to see it. Like this yeah. is a, this is, could you imagine had Cleveland held on to him? He would be, he would, he might be starting by now. Like, had he had this same rise, I know there's all sorts of variables, but like, right. if you take Ochai and the way he's playing right now with Cleveland's lack of depth, especially at wings, he'd be a great Yeah. I, it's so interesting, too, because, and like you said, the, the variables are what come to mind for me because it's like, yeah. um, clearly, like when he first got to Utah, Will Hardy and his staff was like, you know, he needs a little bit of time. We need to kind of get him up to speed. And so like, would he have had sort of that grace period with Cleveland? And did he really need that to become like this player? Like what did he need sort of that slow buildup rather than just being like thrown into the fire? I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't, we could never know. Nothing can be done. I mean, if we're talking about Ojai. We also just need to mention Walker Kessler. Our, dearest sweetest boy <laughs> absolutely the, dearest the, sweetest boy you know do you know how many of my hopes are pinned on walker kessler right now <laughs> yeah. outside of basketball this is a man who continues to evangelize and make promises about getting a waffle house yeah in salt lake city if he gets a waffle house in salt lake i will i will personally erect a statue What's, I will what's, tear down the statues in front of the arena. I will learn how to weld, and Walker Kessler will get a very poorly made statue <laughs> holding uh, a waffle. Walker Kessler, to have a conversation, like the off camera, off microphone conversations with Walker Kessler are absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, Waffle Kessler. Thank you, Matt. Our Let's producer. Go. Waffle there we Kessler. Go. Let's I'm, go. I'm using it on Twitter tonight, buddy. You, first good thing Matt's ever said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, talking to Walker about Waffle House and Golden Corral. Oh. He's so passionate. He's he's like truly, truly passionate. You know, as an American. <laughs> American is a great way to start the next sentence. <laughs> I have an affinity for slop. Hell yeah. I, I love my my piles of garbage. Mm. And there's 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 no better place for big piles of garbage than Waffle House and Oh shit. What's the other Golden one? Golden Corral. I'm, I'm doing awesome today. And Golden we're, Corral. We're doing a great job. You know, I I've I've talked a lot about spending quite a bit of time in Alabama. The best thing about Alabama is Waffle House. The best thing about a lot of places is Waffle House. Let's be real. You could probably real. say that the like that is a, a top five thing about the American South. 
a wonderful, I, a wonderful area. I love, I, I love, love Waffle South. House. I love it. I mean, it just would, I just want it. I want it to be true for Walker so badly for him to franchise a Waffle House because it like, first of all, Waffle House headquartered in Georgia, his home state. Yes. For him to bring that to Utah. Uh, for him to like have something named on the menu like the finisher. Oh yeah, I just I want all of it so bad for him. I truly want for Lowry Markinen to give a part of his All Star bonus to Walker so that he can <laughs> franchise a Waffle House. That's I what I think it, needs to happen. I want it so bad. You know, one of I think one of the truly most American experiences I've ever had in my life was in Atlanta, spending the night going to bars and you know ending up at a world famous gentleman's institution. <laughs> Can't imagine what you're talking a, about. In Atlanta. And yeah. ending the night at a waffle house. At a waffle house at 3 a.m. Perfect night. Like, yeah, that is a truly perfect American experience. I would love the people of Utah to be able to have said experience with pasties. <laughs> with pasties, of course. Yes. I mean, we're civilized here. <laughs> yeah, we are. We also support sex workers. <laughs> Hell yeah, we do. Um, but I want that for my people. A great night that is a a core memory in my life. This is a Waffle House podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. This is, we're very are you waffle or pancakes? Waffle. Yeah, okay. This see, this is why this is why this podcast works, folks. I'm a big believer and I I just think that this is an anti PJ Tucker podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Pancakes, I feel like, are great at home, but I don't need to pay for a pancake. They're too soggy. Yeah. You get the waffle, you get all of the good of the pancake, but there's a there's a texture. There's a crunch there. It also gives you individualized pockets to put the syrup in. I love a I love a syrup pocket. It's better. (laughs) A waffle sandwich. One of the greatest things in life. Anyway, let's talk basketball so people Hold don't read bad reviews. No, f- that real quick. Uh, <laughs> a pro tip for anyone out there. If you cook a little bacon so that it's not yet crispy, it's still a little bit soft. Yes. And then when you pour the waffle mix into the waffle maker, lay a couple strips of bacon in there. There and we go. Cl- and then close the lid. That is someone who spent a lot of time at Holiday Inn Expresses. <laughs> No, that was a that was a that was my father. That was a Richard Todd specialty. That was Dick Todd specialty. Uh, and then I put a little peanut. Dick butter. Todd friends with Girth Brooks. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly is. Uh, put a little peanut butter on there Ooh. before you put the syrup yeah, there on. There we go. Now it's a that's a Todd special. So now we can talk about basketball. Okay. Uh, nope. Podcast over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, you. I, again, I'm all in on the on the youth movement with Walker and Ochai and Lowry because although he's a veteran, he's still a tiny baby boy. Yes, yeah, 25. So yeah. youth movement. Latest. Okay, calm down. Latest, latest jazz trade rumors. Uh, the most recent one is that Shams tweeted out that Jared Vanderbilt is very likely to be traded, and that please. Por- and that Portland is interested in him. Please, I'm I'm begging you. Please, Portland, as a divisional foe. <laughs> please take Jared Vanderbilt away. 
First of all, I would just like to say that it is not news that Jared Vanderbilt is likely to be traded from the Jazz. He's been in trade rumors since the day he got traded to Utah. I've been saying it for a very long time that he's, he is at the gone. top of the list. He's at the top of the list. Honestly, okay? at this at this point, it would be malpractice for the Jazz not to get rid of him. He's, if he still has value right now, you do it because yeah. the guy loses value every time he hits the court. Not just that, but you like you can't you can't have a guy in trade rumors like like we talked about with Donovan. Yeah. You know, like there's too much smoke at this point for there not to be fire. Right. And so for the as as for the Portland being a a very likely destination, literally Damian Lillard has said many times over the last few months that he wants Jared Vanderbilt on his team. So honestly, none of this is news, but it is interesting for me to think about what the what the Blazers could possibly give up for him. Yeah. Honestly, I've seen people mention Nasir Little. That that would be great, honestly, if yeah. I if I'm if I'm looking great. at a potential offer, because I think that the other possibility is basically like Keon Johnson. Not yeah. as good. No. Nope. I I think that if the Jazz were able to get like Nas Little, um I think they might even try to get like a future second if that was the situation in that. I'd be surprised if the Jazz are really going to fleece someone with Jared Vanderbilt because I think that the word is kind of getting out that he is not as advertised. Just if anybody has access to basketball reference. If anyone has, I I mean, all of the people that. If anyone's watched Jared Vanderbilt play basketball this year. Yeah. Everyone who's involved in this, like, can load up some synergy clips, and it's just, it's very easy. You can look at cleaning the glass and see his on-off numbers and know that it's bad. It's really bad. And again, like, I don't have anything against Vando, and I do appreciate how hard he plays, but uh, I'm not going to make the mistake of conflating energy with ability. Right. And And the fact is, he's been in the league for five years now and hasn't gotten any better. Right. If someone like Dame is still like advocating for him to be on his team and is actually like vouching and being like, that's the guy I want. Yeah. Then then if I'm Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, I try to leverage that for all that I can. Sure. And and make the deal. Exploit the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Make the Blazers worse. Yeah. I Which is like, oh, my God. It just makes me sad for Dame because it's like. If you're clamoring, Jared, Jared you, you Vanderbilt be a, is not going to make you better. If you, if you're clamoring for Jared Vanderbilt, you are down bad as hell. And I realize that like the Blazers don't have any defense and that they have no positional size, and so they're looking for kind of anything. And I get that. If I just Joe Cronin, who is making the decisions, I guess alongside alongside Damian Lillard, right uh, in Portland. If if he thinks like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, kind of swap out some end of the roster guys for some size and then we'll kind of deal with this in the offseason. If that's the way that he's going to do business, then like, you know what? You deserve Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. And it's just it's crazy when you're talking about about Dame and the Blazers and everything that like, you know, Dame is on this unbelievable hot streak, drops 60 on the Jazz. He's literally another, like, averaging like 40 points over the last yeah. 10 games. And like every game he's dropping somewhere between 30 and 40 points. He's got a 50 point game. He's got a couple 40 point games. He's got the 60 point game. 
Yeah. The Blazers are 500. Yeah. They are in a terrible spot. And like, I think they have nice pieces. You know, they have nice individual players, but it obviously it doesn't work. And that they, yeah, they don't have any size and they're not versatile and they can't defend at all. I just like don't know why you're. It's I don't like, know what they're doing. Going on getting Jared Vanderbilt would be like trying to put a band aid on a problem, but at the same time, it's like a fake ass generic band aid. Yeah. It's like a, what's it's a, what's the point? It's a band-aid when you need stitches. Yeah, I just don't understand what the point is. But again, like I said, if they're if they, my problem. If they're gonna do the deal, do it. Mm-hmm. So um I still am very interested again, um, too, with the, the whole John Collins situation, because again, there's just so much smoke there. Yeah. That it would that wouldn't surprise me either. And I think that's really intriguing. I think that John Collins is a good player. I, you know, and I think that a, you know, a, a front court of Lowry and John Collins is wildly intriguing. But I don't know. We'll see. I also thought another one. You know, Mike Conley's name is in trade rumors, and listening to that Tim McMahon, uh, Windy, what's going on in Utah podcast they dropped right. a days ago. They had one trade in specific that really made me perk up because we know that L.A. is all in right now. And, you know, they're on borrowed time with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and they're all in right now. And they're not part of that youth movement. Uh, I think it was Wendy who proposed, you know, the Jazz not getting any draft capital, but getting back intriguing young players in so it was Mike Conley and Salary Filler, whoever that is, for so Luke, Rudy Gay or Nikhil. Yeah, for Brandon Boston, Terrence Mann, and Luke Kennard. Yeah, I mean, if that is, I a, would do that yesterday. Yeah, I think that I would too. And Ooh. and we've talked about this previously. I'm pretty sure that we talked about it a lot on the last episode, mm-hmm. where I. Like, just personally, I'm very concerned about giving up Mike Conley because of the value that he adds right. in development. It would have to be the right trade. It would have to be the right trade. That That's the right one. Yeah. Luke <laughs> like, Card is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You can't tell me yep. that Will Hardy wouldn't work wonders with a guy like that spreading the floor. And, like, you know, and then you've got Terrence Mann. Jazz yep. fans know what Terrence Mann is capable of. And I love Brandon, Terrence Mann. He's so good. Yeah. And he's exactly like he's just that like prototypical modern NBA player who can who's good at just about everything. Not great, but can can fit into a, a situation seamlessly, super young, fits the Jazz's timeline. Same thing with Brandon Boston. Intriguing player. Long, athletic, versatile, has shown signs, like has cracked the the Clippers rotation. Obviously, like not where you want him to be, but is showing promise. Like, and again, all three of those guys, I think Kennard's what, 25, 26. He's the oldest guy in that. Like, right. A guy you can, you can plan your future around all three of them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Ty Lu has proven this to us mm-hmm. that, that having a lot of guys that are good is incredibly beneficial. Luke Kennard is 26, by the way. Yeah. But I'm good at this. I'm so good at this. Oh, God, we we know basketball. We're good at podcasting. Like, I'm so what good you at guys listening to other us? podcasts and relaying information that I hear. <laughs> I just Terrence Mann is so interesting. He'd be and, such a good fit on this team. 
it just makes me, I think back to, obviously, I think back to that series that the Jazz had against the Clippers and how going into that, I was like, uh, man, I doubted Ty Luce so much. I was so down on him. Yeah. And, and he absolutely proved that, like, if you have the willingness to kind of try anything, throw things at the wall and see if it sticks, if you have the the depth on the roster to be able to do that, then you can use a bunch of good guys to just find what works in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And if you've got guys like Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann and Brandon Boston, and you have a coach like Will Hardy, who I think is incredibly similar to Ty Lue in his willingness to kind How of change different lineups things. Has, has Will Hardy trotted out this year? Yeah, I exactly. think he's, he's shown that. Like, And so I think really that if you, intriguing. yeah, if you had players like that and – a coaching staff that was willing to kind of try and move things around. I think that those could be incredibly interesting players to have over the next couple of years. Yeah. And I just want to go on record as, as much as it hurts. I think these wounds have finally closed up. It's been almost two years and we can admit this. We're in the acceptance phase. And We've already bargained. Ty Lue coached circles around Quinn Snyder in that series. Ty Lue was so good. Ty Lue so kicked good. Quinn Snyder's ass in that series. There is, no reason why the Clippers should have won that series. And they did because of how versatile and how willing Ty Lue was to just throw caution to the wind and find something that worked. And he did, and they won the series and, you know, they made it to a Western Western Conference Finals. Really deservedly won the series too. Like there are some times where you watch a playoff series that ends up going four three. It's right? fluky, yeah. And you think you know what that team won, but like God, the other team they really should have won. The remi- Jazz, Jazz never deserved to win that series. It Ty reminded Lue, me. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I just Ty Lue and the Clippers just deserved it. Yeah, it reminded me of like my favorite boxer of all time, Bernard Hopkins, Philadelphia guy incredible fighter and he had this fighting style that would give me incredible anxiety where for like the first four or five rounds he would almost intentionally lose those rounds Mm -hmm. and but because he was he was he was mounting an offense and he was figuring the guy out and he was able to take that punishment and and you know pinpoint his opponent's weaknesses and 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 again, figure him out. And then rounds six through twelve, masterclass. Right. And he would just pick his opponent apart to the point of humiliation. And I that that really felt like what Ty Lu did during that series. He he figured out the jazz. And I understand Conley was out and Donovan was hurt, blah, blah, blah. Kawhi Leonard was out. There's no excuses. But he that's exactly what he did. He figured out the weaknesses and then he went full exploitation on those weaknesses and it won him the series. I think that coming up, you know, probably uh in this off season, we might have to go back and look at because I've been having this conversation a bit with some of the other reporters in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of check in uh, and just say, like, was Donovan the problem? Or we'll say like uh, Quinn might have been the problem, you know. Like I think, I think there were a lot of problems, and there were the an- the tr- the true answer is that there were a lot of it's problems. It's D. It's all of the above. Exactly. 
Um, but I think that it would be worth kind of a conversation of kind of going through back through things and looking at it with some fresh eyes later on, because it, it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, any, any other trade rumors that you've, that you've heard that I you mean, want there's, to- there's always smoke around Jordan Clarkson, but it all seems pretty superficial. Yeah. I mean, I think the important thing to oh, note there, here. There is one more that I thought that was interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Really quickly. And this again was on the on the Tim McMahon Windy podcast. And that is right. there 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 are no two teams that have a, a better relationship trade wise than Cleveland and Utah. It seems like they do a trade with each other every six months going back to the Exum and Jordan Clarkson trade. Right. You yeah. Know, there's Rodney Hood went there and you know, uh, Donovan Jordan Clarkson. And, yeah, all, all of it. Um, the one thing that Cleveland needs in order to be an elite team is wing depth. And mm-hmm. they've got incredible guard play and they've got incredible bigs. They don't, they're very, very thin on the wings. And what was intriguing was Malik Beasley for basically draft capital and, you know, maybe you know, some sort of players to match salaries. Yeah. I would not, I'd, I'd be 0% surprised if yeah. Malik Beasley was traded not only to the Cavaliers, but just somewhere in general. Um, yeah. I that, think that he's, was, he's up there with Vando. Yeah. Also uh, should note that I think that there's been a little bit of rumblings about interest in Kelly Olenek. I know that the jazz would be interested in being able to flip him for something else, but I think it yeah. would have to be the right situation. Sure. We've talked about this before that, um, you know, one of the reasons that the Jazz actually traded uh, Bogdanovich for Olenek, uh-huh. uh, it it wasn't just you know a promise to Boyan that they'd get something done before training camp, but also roster construction was mm-hmm. a, a forefront of the Jazz's mind. You know, like at least been good this year. Boyan wasn't going to be playing starting center and then coming to back up Walker Kessler after he be, took the starting job. You know, yeah. so like. Uh, and Vando's not going to be doing it, and so if you if you get rid of Kelly just in uh, to get like young players or draft capital or something like that, like you still have to think about roster construction. And so if the Jazz are able to bring someone in uh, to play backup center that would be reliable behind Walker, I think that that's something that they're probably thinking about and worrying about, especially when it comes to Kelly Olynyk trades. But interesting to hear that Boston could be someone that's interested. In Olenek. Um, they obviously have a relationship with him. Danny's got a relationship there. So um Will's got a relationship there. Exactly. So yeah, interesting. That, that's an that's an interesting one. But again, just I think the two biggest things that I I I keep reminding myself, and so I want to remind everyone else of is that roster construction is important. Yep. <laughs> and then when you're thinking about maybe like destination for Mike. The reason that I think LA has uh, kind of emerged as a top prospect is because Mike's not. Mike would rather stay in Utah for the rest of his career than like get traded to a team that is not going to give him a chance at a chip. Yeah, and so and all of that has been made clear to the Jazz front office, and I think that. You know, if you're looking at a team like LA and their their want to push everything in and really go for it, that is why it's such an interesting and mm-hmm. like it makes it more probable than anything else. Because if this was like Charlotte, 
uh, Mike Conley would be in Danny Ainge's office being like, no, I'll do anything. Don't send me. He's going <laughs> to chain himself to uh, his locker in the practice right. facility. I mean, he would. Like, yeah. that. that's just where he is in his career, you know? He's got, and I don't blame him, yeah. He's got like, three kids. His family likes it here. They've really established themselves. His kids are, like, in soccer leagues and stuff. Like, you're not going to give that up and make your family move again to go somewhere where you absolutely have no chance. Yeah. And so uh, those, those things just be kept in mind when people are kind of going through trades. And I do think that the jazz will do con- Mike Conley, right? They Whether he stays will. or they, they send him to a contender. They will. He's been so good for this team and he's done so much for them and continues to do so. And just, so I just, I love just the guy, not a chance that they're going to do wrong by him. I don't think. Yep. Oh, should we put a bow on this one? Big old fat one. It's a big old fat bow. You guys know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Do all of the things. Um, please continue to follow along. We'll, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff coming up. The trade deadline is coming up. And then we've got All-Star Week that's happening here in Utah. So um, lots of good stuff. Um, I might have a couple of surprise guests. Mm. That's what we call a tease. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jordan, get out of here. <laughs> uh, you can follow Greg at Dad Cham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You could follow our producer, Matt, at Who Gives a <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, like, I love that like a little bit of Matt just dies. Dies every time. Every time. His face is so sad that it's it like makes... a tiny bit of his soul just like exits through I'm, his eyes. I'm not joking. Cause like every time that he puts it, he like puts his camera on and he comes on and I think, Oh man, now I feel bad. Maybe I should just tell people to follow him. And like, that is the name of his band and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then there's this other part in the back of me. That's like, no mercy. <laughs> Does Billy Corrigan have a cover of hello, darkness, my old friend. You should. Maybe I should. Maybe I should uh, give to a non-existent Patreon to make Can't it happen worse than for me. Slide. I'll put it at the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. You can follow Matt at Swans of Never. Oh man, I wish I wish I had a mute button for him. Silence. <laughs> I have the power now. <laughs> all right. You guys, please do all the things. Please leave us reviews. Let your friends and family and everyone that you hate know about the podcast because we love for them to listen to. And we will talk to you next time. Mm, goodbye. Oh, my God. Goodbye. <laughs> this is Jordan Peterson. Oh, no, no, Matt, no. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's, uh, it's a good thing to, for a man not to get <laughs> Uh... <laughs>